0: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life.
1: No purchase necessary. BGW, avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Earlier this week, Florida political reporter Gary Fineout got a call from the governor's office saying, come on down to Tallahassee. We're going to have a press conference.
2: Well, well it, the, the whole thing was very last minute. It was, uh, they gave us no indication of what it was about, and I got a call, and I was just told, you will want to be there. So we get there, and then he starts talking about a U.S. News and World Report about higher education and how Florida schools were identified as number one. And I'm thinking, okay, well, that's interesting. I don't know why. <sighs> Everyone was, you know, we, we we had this huge press conference here for this, but but then he talks about that for thirty seconds, and then he starts, and I was briefed by the FBI, And then we were off and running.
1: Gary knew that the Governor, Ron DeSantis, had been trying to get this meeting with the FBI. He was looking for more information about a paragraph deep inside the Mueller report, alleging that back in 2016, some part of Florida's election system had been hacked.
2: Now, I want I want to also make it clear. When the report came out, the special counsel's report, it mentioned one county, at least one. When he started talking, he said there's two. So that immediately was like, wait, we only thought there was one. Now there's two. Breaking at five, Governor Ron DeSantis confirms that Russian hackers gained access to voter databases in two Florida counties.
1: In fact, he just held a news conference regarding this matter.
2: But get this, the governor isn't saying which two counties. Previously, he had said, I want to know who the counties are. And he had said, unless there's a reason that I can't, I'm going to let the public know who the county was.
1: He said he had signed some kind of agreement with the FBI about this, right? He
2: termed it that he had signed a non-disclosure agreement.
1: It's all just very suspicious. <laughs> I mean, uh,
2: uh, what I can tell you is, is that we just have not gotten a great deal of information about this.
1: For years, Gary's heard these allegations that Florida's election system was vulnerable. But there's never any solid evidence. For a reporter like him, it was frustrating.
2: You know, the thing about this story is it's one of those things that has kind of been out there and we never really got an adequate explanation. I mean, you could argue we still don't have an adequate explanation, but it's one of those things that has since sort of been percolating in the background, in the background. And for the most part, until the Mueller Mueller report came out, I think most people were like not really paying attention And, and, and they figured it. It wasn't a big deal.
1: This week, the mystery of what's been going on in Florida has only gotten deeper. Today on the show, Gary's going to explain what we know and what we don't. And then I'm going to talk to an election supervisor who's going to make the case that this latest news doesn't really worry him at all. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next? Stay with us. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Here's how this Russian operation supposedly went down back in 2016. Election workers were targeted with a spear phishing campaign. Hackers sent them emails that contained files to download or links to click. But opening up these attachments could trigger malware. And that would allow Russian operatives to access election servers. Reporters first got wind of what was going on in the middle of the presidential race. But back then, officials insisted, even if hackers had their sights set on Florida, nothing actually happened.
2: So the point is, we kind of knew that there had been an effort, and, and the state and local officials had said nothing, nobody got in. There was a, we were targeted, but nobody got in. Then the Miller report comes out and says at least one county was, was affected. Then we have the briefing with, with the governor DeSantis who says, well, it's actually two counties. And the reason this is a big deal down here in Florida is because, again, there were people who were, who were saying nothing happened. Yeah, we were targeted. Yes, they went after us, but nothing happened.
1: It wasn't just reporters trying to get sunlight on this story. Politicians were, too, especially Democrats who felt like they were under siege in Florida. Bill Nelson was fighting to keep his Senate seat when he told a reporter that Russians had gotten inside voter databases.
2: Senator Nelson made a comment to the effect of he initially said, The Russians are in the elections records. And then he, in a subsequent interview with a Tampa Bay newspaper, said they have penetrated the systems and have free reign to move about. This was immediately challenged by Governor Scott. And he says, there's no proof. What are you talking about? And there was a a back and forth. And so Nelson came under a lot of uh, attack by the Scott campaign saying he's either lying or if he's not, he's divulging classified information.
1: The politics of this sounds really complicated (laughs) because you have this Democratic senator, no longer a senator, saying Russians are in our election records. And then you have a bunch of Republicans saying, no, 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 you're being paranoid. But then in the last couple of weeks, Senator Marco Rubio, also a Republican, he's come out and he said, Actually, the Russians were in our election records.
2: Well, but yeah. Well, see, Senator Rubio is on the Intelligence Committee. He apparently was given the information. So, you know, in quick succession, we had the Mueller report. Then we have Senator Rubio saying, yeah, the Russians did get in. And that's what led all the Florida officials to say, well, what's going on here? We, we want answers. And then that's what led the Governor DeSantis getting a briefing and then him making his announcement earlier uh, this week. Uh, We are also expecting the full Florida congressional delegation. They are scheduled to meet with the FBI as well.
1: Regardless of the politics, it sounds to me when I looked into it that various people, including, you know, reporters in the state of Florida, had been talking about this possibility of Russia hacking into the election system for a long time.
2: Yeah. No, I mean. This was one of those things that had been – some reporters had, had, had done some work on, and we weren't getting a lot of answers from the state. The Department of State, for example, in its budget request over the last couple of years had said this is a growing threat, cybersecurity. We, we want extra money for uh, a cybersecurity team in, in, the, in the Division of Elections, and they kind of put it in their, their budget request to the Florida legislature. But then it wasn't getting funded. And, in fact, in 2018, right after the, the regular session where they passed the annual budget, Governor Scott used his authority to give the per- Department of State permission to hire contractors to help with cybersecurity. But, again, it was one of these things where what's the backstory? Why are they doing this? But, again, Governor, now Senator Scott, at the, and, and his administration at the time still contended that no one had been successful with their, with their efforts
1: in 2016. You've laid out a really interesting case about how politicians have handled this information. And I wonder, you watched Governor Ron DeSantis at this press conference talk about what he now knows a little bit. You got a little bit more information. How would you characterize how he's handling this information now?
2: Well, I mean, uh, we did do a story noting that uh, there was a bit of irony in the fact that... uh, Governor DeSantis was a persistent critic of the Justice Department and the handling of the investigation back when he was a congressman he was very critical of Rod Rosentine and the special counsel and and so there was a bit of an irony that he he now goes to the FBI and the FBI says okay you've got to you know keep up some of this information private before we'll tell you But what I would tell you is he did provide some information. I mean, he did, you know, he did say, look, there were two counties. Uh, Look, it was voter information records, not the actual tallying systems. So while not the complete story, at least it was a little bit more than what we had previously been given.
1: The thing that stood out to me about Ron DeSantis' press conference was just how much he was downplaying the interference. He said the information that Russia got was public, that it didn't affect the vote counts. But Gary, all this left him thinking.
2: I think what's important to point out is that doesn't mean you couldn't cause chaos with the voter information database. Because theoretically, if you were able to mess around with someone's name, with someone's eligibility, you could have a scenario where what if a bunch of people go to the polling place, say, I'm registered to vote. Here's my voter registration card. And for whatever reason, the... Um, electronic poll book that they use to verify the registration says, no, they're not. And that's the issue. The issue is if you have access to the actual voter database, could you have caused problems? Now, the governor says, the FBI told him, no, there was no manipulation, that they did not do anything. Well, how do we know that? What did they do? What steps did they take to verify that once they were inside the system that they didn't do anything. And that's information that I don't have right now. The
1: other the other question I really want to get to is whether there's any rumbling in Tallahassee, given this information, about looking again at some of the recent close elections. You just got you just had a recount in 2018. So I, I wonder how local lawmakers are thinking about this.
2: The legislature... To be blunt, has not really discussed this at all. There was within the last year, year and a half, there may have been one meeting where the Secretary of State was asked about three questions about it. You know, I, again, as a reporter, as I've watched this, I have been kind of intrigued by the fact that the Florida legislature has not expressed much interest. You know, at least in publicly, they haven't. They really have not talked about it much at all.
1: It's interesting because I think what you are saying is that what we should really watch is the changing Republican response. Because we've seen it evolve from there's nothing going on here to it's one county. Oh, it's two counties. And so maybe the place we need to look next is whether that evolves further.
2: Yes, absolutely. Correct. Correct.
1: Gary Finout, I'm really, really grateful for your precision on this.
2: OK, thank you so much.
1: Gary Fineout is a reporter at Politico. He's one of the writers behind Florida's Politico Playbook newsletter. All right, we'll be right back. After I talked to Gary, this story, it just kept developing. Eventually, Florida officials said it might be more than two counties whose election systems got hacked. So I wanted to make one more call to someone who could tell me what all these hacking allegations really meant. Do me a favor. I heard uh-huh. that you have this picture on your desk.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think Okay. Yes. Uh, Putin.
1: This is Mark Early. He's a supervisor of elections in Leon County, Florida.
0: Yeah, so I put a little post-it with uh, he's winking at me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it says, I put a post that says, clear and present danger.
1: So I hear about this and I'm like, you clearly have known since you took this job, hacking is possible and people are looking over your shoulder.
0: I've been doing elections since 1986. So, yeah, there was (laughs) it was open eyes going into this job, no doubt.
1: Huh. So with the news this week that it looks like it's not just one county that might have had some kind of interaction with Russian operatives. You know, first it was, well, we don't really think anything happened here. And then it was like, well, okay, maybe there was one county and now maybe there's two. So you, as the person who's the supervisor of elections in Leon County, I just wonder how you... And the chairman
0: of our association's cybersecurity task force, yeah, and liaison to Homeland security. Yes, yes. Frankly, I see 2016, and it may sound strange, uh, but as somewhat a success.
1: Why do you say that?
0: Because the Russians were trying very hard to get in and I think impact our election systems, like our voter registration system. And if they could have maybe even tried to get access to the tab systems and they were unsuccessful there. I mean, there's no way for them to do that, really, for the most part, at least in Florida, Uh, and I think most everywhere else. And given that most of the counties at that time were operating somewhat as islands into and of themselves. I mean, there was some certain talk and best practices, but it was very limited in scope of how to protect yourself. I think that the fact that they, even though they got into two counties and only two counties, that's actually a good thing. They tried to get into a lot more, and they were unsuccessful. And the fact that once they got into these two, they were not able to do anything of note, that I think is is, the good story. Certainly, the negatives is yeah, they got in in some fashion or another, but they weren't able to do much. And since then, our ability to communicate at, from local counties' uh, offices, supervisor of elections' offices, with state officials, uh, federal officials, Homeland Security, FBI, FDLE, Secretary of State's office, all of those are results of 2016. And I think that's a very good and very powerful story.
1: So you're saying in 2016, it sounds like you guys did feel like you were kind of in the dark about whatever was happening. And then I think that's
0: true. Yes, yes.
1: And then that a bunch of you got on the phone with the FBI and said, hey, guys, we need more access here. We're like the tip of the spear and we need to be able to help you.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, we were approached by Homeland Security. Would you like to be critical infrastructure? I was at the. What does
1: that mean to be critical infrastructure?
0: Uh, well, good question. You know, there's a lot of sectors in our society, in our economy, uh, in the United States framework, that are considered critical to the success of our nation, like nuclear power or power generation in general, water supply, and elections are now part of, are considered, I think it was highlighted by the concerns of 2016, we're seen as something that if we fail, if elections fail, it has a very, very severe and negative impact on our nation as a whole. And so what that does, I mean, it's nice to be recognized as that. We thought we all were all along, but <laughs> the concern was is that we don't necessarily want the feds meddling in local elections because elections are a state, you know, essentially reside at the state level and are administered there and, and filtered down to the local level. There was some concern that the feds getting into our business would cause big problems or, you know, you've got to do this, you've got to do that.
1: How did but it actually play out?
0: I think it actually has played out much, much, much better than that, uh, The FBI, for one, is now coming clean and telling the counties that were involved that, yeah, you were a victim. There's much greater communication.
1: It sounds like you're saying the counties that were involved already know who they are. They do,
0: yes. They do. They do. But I think they only found out relatively recently. They didn't find out in 16. Hmm. And I've been on record lately of saying I'm not telling whether I was one of the counties or not because I don't want to further that ability of the process of elimination to isolate those counties. Because I think that it's my responsibility to protect their identities, to make sure that they are not afraid to ask for help if they get hit or another small or big or medium or whatever county gets hit. A local elected official doesn't want the embarrassment necessarily. We need them not to be afraid to share the information for fear that it gets out somewhere higher up.
1: So you're worried if someone spills the beans, the feds will just say, we're we're shutting this down. No more. No more. Information sharing
0: uh, in some manner, yes, I am I don't think all lines of communication will dry up, but you know some lines of communication or some knowledge basis, uh or some resources at the federal level are much more powerful and have much more detailed knowledge than others you know I don't care if a county was attacked if you know I mean I care but I don't need to know necessarily, but I do need them to know and I need them to be able to provide data up to the Fed so that we can form a solution in real time maybe stop the attack before it spreads or, you know, later on forensically or, you know, retrofitting our, our networks and computer systems to guard against that in the future. But hmm. you've got to have good lines of communication. You've got to report quickly. You've got to react quickly. And you can't live in a silo. If you're a little island out there by yourself, you're going to get picked off and you don't have much recourse.
1: But you can understand why members of the public would want this information, they want to make sure their votes count,
0: without a doubt. And so do we. And I, like I said, I've been in elections for 33 years. Accuracy, fairness, transparency—those are hallmarks and keystones of what I've built my whole life on. And transparency being a huge part of that. So it's it's a foreign concept really to me to now see that okay, in some areas you have to have this secrecy because the data flow, the information you're sharing is confidential and that's the reality we're living in because we aren't just, you know, this house on a hill up here uh, with everybody singing joyously as the sun rises every day. There's nation states trying to attack us and bring our systems down and that requires partnerships and sharing of very critical data that is sensitive and we need to maintain the ability for those resources to respond. That's what keeps me awake at night. (laughs)
1: Mark Early, thank you so much for giving me your perspective from on the ground in Florida.
0: Uh, You're very welcome. My pleasure.
1: Mark Early is the supervisor of elections in Leon County, Florida. All right, that's the show. What Next is hosted by me, Mary Harris, produced by Mary Wilson, Jason DeLeon, and Ethan Brooks. Today, the favor I'm asking of you is to go to Slate.com slash day 2019 and pick up some tickets for our first live show. We're going to be in New York City on Saturday, June 8th, 1030 in the morning. We are a morning show recording three live interviews. That'll be shows eventually, but you'll get to hear them first when I like mess up all the questions. It's going to be great. We'll have coffee. Come through. Slate.com slash day All right. Talk to you Monday.
0: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm Dahlia Lithwick, and I'm host of Amicus Slate's podcast about the law and the U.S. Supreme Court. We are shifting into high gear, coming at you weekly with the context you need to understand the rapidly changing legal landscape, the many trials of Donald J. Trump. Judicial ethics, arguments and opinions at SCOTUS. We are tackling the big legal news with clarity and insight every single week. New Amicus episodes every Saturday, wherever you listen.